caution. What you are about to listen to could be dangerous for anyone wishing to live a normal, safe life at the end of a cheesy cul-de-sac. Back to Jerusalem podcasts are not made in sterile recording studios with professional DJs, but instead behind enemy lines with horrible acoustics, bad internet connections, and suspicious-looking coffee. Listening to Back to Jerusalem podcast could include unwanted side effects like selling your house, leaving your boring job, and uncontrollable desires to speak strange foreign languages. So buckle up, strap in, and hold on, because this is Fast Train, baby, to all those places your mother warned you about. And now, for your host, the man known for having a radio face, Eugene Bach, coming to you live on delay in 5, 4, 3, 2... Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Hong Kong. Today, we have a unique opportunity to be able to speak with and interview the only Yazidi representative of the Iraqi parliament. Uh, this is a woman. Her name is Vian Dakil, and she's a she's basically a a hero for the Yazidi minority people. Now, the Yazidis. If you are not familiar with the Yazidis, basically uh, they are the minority group that we have back to Jerusalem been working with the most. Um, they are not Christian and they are not Muslim. They are a minority group that has their own religion that you have to be born into a religion that is a mixture between Judaism and Zoroastrianism. A religion, Zoroastrianism was the religion of the Persian Empire, and the Yazidi people still have that. Now, Vian is currently a member of the Iraqi parliament, and she is the only person that is a Yazidi representative in the Iraqi parliament. She was the main voice calling out for help. From the very beginning of the invasion of ISIS into the area of the Sinjar Mountains where the Yazidi people are from. Vian was basically born and raised in Mosul, which is currently the ISIS capital. And she has been very kind to allow us a couple minutes to be able to interview her. And talk with her about what's going on. She is the a, a, a person who has been awarded uh, by people all around the world. In fact, um, she's been honored by the Iraqi Women's Network in October 2014. Just uh, two months after the invasion of ISIS into um, the area of Sinjar Mountains where the Yazidi people are from. She was given title Woman of the Year by the Iraqi Women's Network. She is the winner of the 2014 Anna Polovsky Award for her courage to become the voice of the Yazidi community and her determination to campaign for the protection of all Yazidi and other Iraqi women under ISIS. Despite the danger she is facing as a Yazidi woman politician opposed to ISIS. 
She was also crowned Woman of the Year in 2015 and an honorary prize for Arabic achievements in Dubai. She received the Bruno Krovsky Prize in Vienna, Austria. And in addition, she received the Nineveh Honorary Shield in June 2015, even though Nineveh, which is the place that we know of where Noah went to share the gospel or share about God's warning to the Syrian people, uh, which was the capital of Assyria at the time. Uh, Nineveh, by the way, is modern day Mosul. And she was recently just awarded the Geneva Summit Prize for Human Rights in Geneva, Switzerland. So, I mean, this woman has racked up quite a number of awards because of what she has done. Uh, she has... Uh, she has been the main speaker at the Geneva Summit for Human Rights and Democracy in February of 2016 this year. Uh, so she's recognized around the globe as being a, a fighter for human rights, specifically for the Yazidi people. She has been the main voice, the main person giving a voice to the individuals of, that were, have been le left and stranded on the Sinjari mountain so we are really happy that we are able to have an interview with her today i am calling her uh from hong kong i just called her about um five minutes ago and we are going to call her back um it is midnight uh her time so uh, she has asked just for a moment or so so that she can be get something uh, to drink and prepare herself for the interview because it is so late where she is at. Consequently, I had to wake up at, at about 4.30 a.m. in order to do this interview. So if my voice sounds like it is um, it is a little croggy from the morning, that is why. It is it is 4.30 in the morning. It's actually now past 5, but I wanted to wake up and make sure that I could kind of get myself awake. Thankfully, um, my wife is traveling at the time, so I'm able to do this podcast from our room without waking up uh, anybody else uh, in the house. Let's try to go to her now. So I'm going to make the call and uh, and see if now is a good time. Hello, Vian. It's um, it's Eugene Bach here. Yeah, hello. It is so nice to talk with you. Uh, we just wanted to uh, ask you a couple questions. We have been following uh, you and the things and the work that you've been doing. Uh, we have been working together with the Yazidi people since 2014. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have been so appreciative of the work that you have done to get the information out about the challenges for your people. Okay, okay, you're welcome, yes. So, from what we understand, you are the only uh, Yazidi representative for the Iraqi parliament, is that correct? Uh, no, we are two, we are two members, Yazidi members, but I am only a female, a minority female in the uh, Iraqi parliament. 
Okay. And when uh, okay. we, we have we have many uh, uh, Christian and Chebek those are a minority and uh, uh, Sabia, uh, but uh, I am only a female. Okay. And uh, is it correct that you were born in Mosul? Yes. Okay, and and today, uh, for the people of our audience that has listening, uh, Mosul is now uh, taken over by ISIS. That is where ISIS is at at the moment. Yes, it's controlled by ISIS now. Yeah, and um, the area that most of the Yazidi people come from is the Sinjari Mountains to the west. Is that correct? Uh, yes, uh, 80% of the Yazidi living in Iraq are, uh, are from Sinjar. From Sinjar, okay. And today, yeah. what is the situation? Could you tell us a little bit about the situation in Sinjar today? Uh, I, I tell you about the situation in Sinjar and the situation, uh, the Yazidi situation. Okay. Okay. It's okay for you. Yes, perfect. Okay, because now I tell you, after um, ISIS attacked the Yazidi villages, all of those Yazidis living in Sinjar are run away from Sinjar. In the beginning, those are run away toward the mountain, Sinjar mountain, and after that, they uh, go uh, or now those are living in the. Uh, camps in the Kurdistan region. It's a safer place in Iraq, in the north of Iraq. Uh, all those Yazidi now uh, in the Kurdistan region uh, with the very bad situation, uh, living under tents. Uh, it is uh, very bad quality tents and uh, no enough food, no enough water, no enough schools for children, uh, no university for the uh, students, uh, no enough health center for patients. Um, this is the situation. No jobs. This is the situation of those refugees. In same times, many of those refugees still they have a members of their family are captured by ISIS. Since now, uh, in the beginning, uh, when ISIS attacked Yazidi in the August. 2014, we lost about three, two to 3,000 people, men and children, boy, boy children, boys. Uh, and the women and girls are kidnapped by ISIS, about 5,800 5, women and girls and children. Now, we, we, uh, we can uh, liberate about 2,200 of, uh, of those kidnapping women and children. And since we have 3,600 girls, women, and children are still captured by ISIS as, uh, uh, with that situation, they... Uh, they uh, treat with them as, as slaves and uh, uh, torch them, uh, uh, abuse them, uh, everything, every bad thing. Wow, yes. And we have, and we have 1,060 boys between 6 to 10 
hold in the Muslim and teaching teaching them over the religion, their religion, and teaching them to how to use um, a weapon and uh, to um, build them as a, a new generation of uh, of ISIL or new generation of terrorists. This is the situation of the Yazidi people. And when we are we uh, speak about the, the situation in Sinjar, we liberate the Peshmerga and the Yazidi fighter liberate uh, about seven seventy percent of the Sinjar land. And when we are go back to Sinjar, the ISIS destroyed everything, everything. Ninety five percent of houses and Another places in Sinjar are destroyed by ISIS. Wow. And this has been labeled now by the European Union and America as genocide. Is that correct? Uh, European Union and uh, British uh, Congress and uh, uh, another um, countries, they say this is uh, as a genocide. But it's not enough. We should to record this case as a genocide in the uh, criminal court, high criminal court in the in the Lahai. This is the important because we are after this. Um, uh, if we are recorded after that, we can save this place or save this uh, those people uh, for not to. Don't uh, repeat it again. Yes, um, you have. Um, there, there was an article that prompted me to really want to connect with you and talk with you. It was a very moving and sad story about a twelve-year-old girl who had been held captive by the ISIS, and she was okay. with her seventeen-year-old aunt, and they were able yeah. to escape from their capture with ISIS very recently. Is there anything that you would be able to share with us about that situation? Because you have met with them, correct? Yes, yes, of course. Um, I think it's uh, two two weeks ago when I'm visiting some of those camps because I'm always all, um, uh, each uh, week, uh, weeks, I, I uh, visit the refugees camps to to say uh, what's the problem in those camps and what's the problem of those refugees. And uh, one of uh, those that I met, um, this girl, she speak with me and she tell me about uh, her story, uh, uh, how she tried to escape from ISIS. She said, uh, I tell them I am sick and, and I can't sleep in the night. And I need a doctor. When I go to the doctor, I tell him I can't sleep after. She said 10 years, 10 years old. Uh, she she said he gave me a, some um, sleeping pills. Uh, after that, she tell me I'm thinking. Uh, I put some of those parts in the tea and give it to the, uh, those ice. Those are a security around this house. She's accepted in the house with uh, her aunt, and after they are sleeping, sleep those uh, two ISIS or two security, 
she she ran away from this house and walked about in the from midnight to the uh, uh, another day morning about uh, nine uh, nine hours. She's walking and she uh, reached to the uh, safe place. Wow. And mm-hmm. it, and you said that she was ten years old when she was taken, or she's ten years old now? No, no. Now she's about eleven and a half. Yes, she's uh, when she got taken. She's uh, she was uh, ten years. And and uh, she's uh, she's a very um, small or uh, very young. Yes, and there she's not the only one. Is that correct? There, there are more girls that are hit her age that, from the Yazidi people that were taken and abused in the way that this young girl was abused. Is that yes. correct? Yes, yes. And and she, the aunt that she was able to escape from. Sometimes I think in the West when we hear the word aunt, we think of somebody who's maybe. 30 or 40 years old, but her aunt was only 17 years old, so she was still uh, very much a child herself. Yes, I tell you, it's a very surprise for me. Uh, she's uh, 10 years, and, she, yeah, and her uh, aunt is uh, only 17. Um, and those are thinking about how can they escape uh, and do this or did this thing and run away from ISIS, it is something... <laughs> yeah, I... We, I can't, we, we, we can't, yeah, when I'm thinking about it, I can't imagine this has happened, really. Yeah, we have, um, we have a small village of about 7,000 people that our organization has been working together with, and instead of tents, we've, we've built houses for the Yazidi people, and we've come across many of these young girls, so we have built a school so that they can be uh, educated, and their stories are just, they, they have moved us and, and uh, broken our hearts, and we thank you so much, Vian for um, your your passion for your people. We support you. Uh, the people here with our organization, we pray for you every day. Is there anything that um, you would like to share with us before we end the, the, the time together? Yes, of course. Um, uh, first, uh, thank you very much for this interview. And um, I would like to tell everyone, anyone can help us Please, because we need anyone to help about anything, anything. You can't imagine what's the situation of those refugees, what's the situation of those state girls when she's coming from ISIS. She's um, damaged. The, the, the inside of those girls is damaged after what they are, uh, what happened with them when they are in the, under ICE control. Um, we need any organization to help us building house or building the, the human rights or building um, the, the people inside the people. Um, it is, now it's very important we help the people to rebuild themselves again after what happened with them. We need to sharing with any organization in your country, if they can, to um, help us. Um, it is 
Vian, you do not know me, but um, you have your assistant now has my email. I travel to um, to Dehook once a month, and then uh, the village that we are serving in is only about an hour away from from Dehook. And uh, we also have team members who have been working in the Sinjar Mountain region. Uh-huh. If there is anything that we can do for somebody that you work with. Please do not hesitate to contact us. We would be honored and more than happy to serve the efforts also that you have been doing. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for this time. And God bless you. We will continue to pray for you. I know it's very late where you are at, so we are going to let you go. But um, goodbye, and thank you so much again, Vian. We really appreciate this time. Thank you. It was it was one of those special things when she agreed to take this interview together with us. You know, this is a podcast. I mean, and and we're not that important. I mean, we're not that big. We don't keep a very big presence in Iraq. Um, but she was uh, when I contacted her. I told her who we were. I told her what we've been doing. Uh, the name "Back to Jerusalem" can be in can be incinerated sometimes for some people you know it it can sound like an organization that muslim groups may not want to work with but the yazidi people because they are not muslim they are i mean like i said they have their own religion mosul though was a christian city the city that she was born in was a christian city and the yazidi people that we are working with today they actually have a, uh, a, a, a many of the people that we work with, the Yazidi people, they do not want anything to do with the Muslims. They feel that their people has been attacked over and over and over again. And today, this genocide that they've been going through has been absolute. I mean, the, the like she said, like Vian said, their houses were destroyed, their businesses were destroyed. They tried to kill all the men. They tried. To, they they kidnapped as many boys as they could to train them to be Muslim, indoctrinate them, to to um, brainwash them to be Muslim fighters, jihadi soldiers. These are young boys that are like the ages of four years old to ten years old. They should be at home watching cartoons on Saturdays, worrying about their tests on Monday, playing with their friends after school on Thursday, going to soccer practice on Friday. They shouldn't be in these these um, mosques tra- training to be uh, jihadi fighters. So the Yazidi people and, and young girls like this 12-year-old girl that was just uh, able to escape uh Vian told us that she was 11 and a half but she was 10 when she was taken 10 years old she was being sexually violated over and over and over who knows by how many soldiers she was passed along to these women are sold on the market like McDonald's uh menus once they're done, they, they, they have a menu that says that a Yazidi girl at this age, according to the menu that we have obtained from ISIS, it says that a girl of this nature would be about 170 U.S. dollars to buy. 
to buy her. And that's on the first go-round. That was in 2015. Now that she's uh, been passed around, her price has probably been going down and negotiated as she's been passed around from soldier to soldier. It is a horrible situation. And like Vian said, it hasn't really been. You notice that she said that the British Parliament has labeled this as genocide. The European Union has labeled this as genocide. And the State Department, I don't know if she's aware, but the State Department in the United States has also labeled this as genocide, but not collectively as a government in the U.S., and it hasn't gone to the Hague of the, the High Commission courts as genocide. How can this not be called genocide, why these people have been going through? That is why we are writing a book right now and calling it Genocide. Because this is the largest genocide of our lifetime. Thousands of people were um, forced out of their home in the Sinjar Mountains and in Sinjar City. They were forced out of their homes, forced into the mountains, slaughtered in mass, men made to get down on their knees and then beheaded or shot in cold blood. They were unarmed. The women were chased down, thrown into buses, and then the buses taken back to Mosul, and the women were processed through like cattle. Young girls like this 11-and-a-half-year-old that was just able to, what a smart little girl, was able to say, you know what, I'm not feeling well. Can I get sleeping pills? I can't go to sleep. So they gave her sleeping pills so that she could get sleep at night, so that she would be in a better condition for abuse. And she was able to slip it into the tea of her captors. And when they fell asleep, she walked across the desert in the middle of the night. A 11 and a half year old. Trying to navigate through the mountains, through the desert, between Mosul and Kurdistan. Absolutely phenomenal. This has been another Back to Jerusalem podcast. We are going to continue working in that area. We're going to continue serving in that area. I pray that you follow us on Facebook, keep up with the work that we're doing, or go to our website and see our newest articles that we put up on a regular basis about the news in northern Iraq as we continue to serve in that region. Thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Hong Kong. God bless you. There's a simple way for us to help ISIS victims. Drink tea. It's that simple. By drinking a cup of Back to Jerusalem Chinese tea, you will bring hope to the refugees displaced by ISIS. It is a healthy way to make a difference. So invite friends and family to your home for a Bible study around a warm pot of organic Chinese tea. Does your church have a cafe? Add Back to Jerusalem tea to the menu. All profits go to help ISIS victims in Iraq and Syria. My name is Jung, and I am an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. It is considered quite dangerous for me to share the contents of this book, but these are stories that need to be told for God's glory and the encouragement of the church.
So begins the extraordinary first-person account of a prominent leader of one of the largest underground churches in China. This dramatic true story is told in Back to Jerusalem's latest book, I Stand with Christ by Eugene Bach. I Stand with Christ is a detailed account about a former Communist Party member who took a stand for his faith in Jesus and was targeted for prison, work camps, and torture. See how he goes from the prison cell of China's maximum security prison to leading one of the largest underground house churches of 10 million believers. Be amazed at this true story of suffering, sacrifice, and triumph. I Stand With Christ is available at www.backtojerusalem.com or where books are sold.